0: Welcome back to PeterPirates.com, everybody, and we appreciate you listening to our A Few Extra Bucks podcast, A Few Extra Takes with myself and Buccaneer insider Roy Cummings. First of all, we'd like to thank our title sponsors, House of Brews, not your average everyday neighborhood bar, a great place in Lutz, Florida on Northdale Mabry and van dyke and of course our friends at sea dog brewing company great locations in clearwater and their treasure island location on the beach let's first check in with our producer justin thomas our voice of reason the reason we're on the air justin how you doing
1: i'm doing good how are y'all doing
0: we're doing good you watch some game tape i guess you're ready to go if you if you need to contribute off the bench right
1: that's right uh finished this morning so i'm good to go
0: all three of us are ready to go. All right, let me bring in Roy Cummings. We're kind of on location this week. We're on the Buccaneer practice field outdoors. It rained a lot this Saturday, but the indoor facility, once again, Roy, kind of saves the day in a lot of ways for this football team. A whole different landscape for the Bucs this year.
2: Yeah, it really is. I mean, here's the a, here's a situation. A rainy, soggy day here in Tampa today, and uh, you know, one of those days where a year ago, two years ago, I mean, throughout the course of the Bucs history, really, this is a day that would have been lost. Um, they would have had to go back inside for a long period of time, stop the workout, which is never good, start it up again. Um, they might still be going at this point uh, as the rain still continues to fall. You know, sometimes that rain is good because you want to get that experience in You know, in these conditions, especially for early in the season. Uh, the Bucks are going to face a lot of those kind of situations at home in particular. So you like to get used to that. But at the end of the day, training camp is about getting ready for a season. And it's hard to get ready for a season when you have to keep start, starting and stopping. You're on soggy ground. You're really not getting good work in. So uh, they were able to get inside again today and get good work in. I know we've talked about it several times, but uh, for a team that didn't, you know, went without an indoor facility for so many years, uh, people around here are still marveling at the fact that they got <laughs> one of the best. And uh,
0: it allows them to get some good work done. It makes you appreciate things for sure. I mean, we're looking outside in the indoor facility, and the players are even waiting to walk to the. Uh, their, their, their locker rooms because they don't want to get rained on, which is a far cry from past years here covering the Bucs. All right, you, you gave us your instant uh, rapid uh, takes uh, after the game against the Dolphins. Uh, and you, you've talked about this leading up to the game. It's important for this team to win in the preseason and to show improvement. Uh, what was your big takeaway from that win against Miami?
2: Well, I, I, like you said, you know, I, look, I've, I'm one of those, and I used to always write when I was at the Tampa Tribune, I used to do a, you know, a keys to the game type thing or things to watch, you know, Uh, For preseason games, and one of the first things I always said, it was forget about the score because the final score doesn't matter. But I think that's different with this team. I really do, and the reason I feel that is, you know, there's been such a culture of losing that's ingrained in this organization. And you know, you thought they were coming out of it two years ago when they go nine and seven, but then you go five and eleven, and you know, it just all falls apart last year. So I really think it's important for these guys to win in the preseason, and the fact that they actually won the game was good. I, they were in control of the game throughout most of it kind of fell off a little bit at the end. The defense fell apart a little bit, but then all of a sudden, uh, Ryan Griffin leads them down the field. Chandler Catanzaro kind of redeems himself. And I think that was good for this organization overall. So, um, you know, as far as a broad broad overall perspective, I thought it was very important
0: that they actually won that game. I think the thing that, that I had a big takeaway were the quarterbacks, uh, they may have the best three quarterbacks on one roster in the league. I mean, <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick, I know he's a veteran. Jameis Winston, he'll be, he won't be. He will be there the first three games. And then you had Ryan Griffin, who we chronicled in our videos leading up to that game, and we talked about him quite a bit in our last podcast. Uh, you know, I thought all three quarterbacks looked really good. And, you know, we know the defense should be better. We know how many – great players they have to complement those quarterbacks, that's a good sign for this football team.
2: Yeah, it really is. I mean, you wanted to see, the biggest concern is that Jameis Winston's not going to be there for three games. And if James Jameis Winston is playing like he did the last five games of last year, well, yeah, that's a real concern. But if Jameis Winston is playing like he has at some other times, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick might actually be the better choice. But either way, when you're starting your backup quarterback for three of the most critical games in the of your season, uh, it's always uh, difficult. But Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think, showed the other night that, hey, if, if they combine, you know, create an offensive scheme uh, that allows him to excel at what he does well, uh, they're going to be very successful. And he he was a very smart quarterback in that game. I think he showed a lot of veteran savvy, and that's important. And even more important is the fact that, yeah, Ryan Griffin looked good too. And uh, it, it, was, it was funny. I thought uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick came out and played very well. I thought Jameis Winston did even better, and then I thought Ryan Griffin. I'll play Jameis Winston. Yes. So you kind of like to see it go that way sometimes,
0: uh, and it did for the Bucks yeah. against the Dolphins. And you called it, partner. Uh, the running game. Uh, people were in kind of a wait and see mode for the most part about Peyton Barber. Can he be the main guy? And you know, obviously, we still are. It's only one preseason game, but he's had a good camp so far, and he looked very comfortable being that main guy in the limited action that he had against Miami. Yeah, it really picked up where he did, uh, where he was last,
2: last off last season. You know, when he was kind of the feature back and. Look, something to remember is when the Buccaneers brought in Peyton Barber from Auburn, granted, they didn't—they signed him as an undrafted free agent out of college, they always thought that this kid could have some feature-back abilities. It was really just a matter of getting him accustomed to a little bit more work because he didn't play that much in college, uh, getting him accustomed to the NFL speed of things, and he's done that. And you take that and combine it with the fact that this kid has grown, not just mentally, but he's matured physically. Um, he's a more powerful back now. He's he's redistributed some weight. Um, he's a little leaner now, a little tougher. And so I think he's more suited to take on a bigger role. And, you know, the, the good news is he's got a guy like Ronald Jones chasing him from yeah. behind. I think that's really spurring him on a little bit to be a little bit better. And he just came through and showed us uh, the other night that he's very capable of being uh, this team's feature back if that's the way they want to go.
0: Ronald Jones, it's only one preseason game. I get a kick. The overreaction to these preseason games just boggles my mind sometimes because there's so many different personnel groups. Rosters are up and down. But Ronald Jones has to be better for this football team to be good. Uh, Peyton Barber can't do it by himself. And with so many weapons, at wide receiver and tight end, they got to have two guys to shoulder the burden here.
2: I would say that based on what we saw of Ronald Jones the other day, uh, probably Jaquiz Rogers and Charles Sims feel a lot better about their spot on this yeah, roster yeah. right now. Um, if Ronald Jones doesn't come through, the Bucks may find themselves in a situation where they have to keep, you know, maybe four running backs just to make sure that uh, if, if the problems Ronald Jones has had through training camp, and that's what makes you concerned a little bit is he hasn't been really stellar in training camp either. And he wasn't all that stellar, obviously against the dolphins. If that trend mm-hmm. continues, I don't think the Bucks are going to cut him. I, I doubt that that's going to happen. This is not Jeremy McNichols here. Um, they're going to keep him around, but they've also got to make sure that they've got somebody that can step in and, and give Peyton Barber a breather, and, and Jaquiz Rogers is great at that, and you still have Charles Sims who can you know, help you out on third down. So, um, But, again, it's important that all those backs contribute and contribute in a big way because the Buccaneers want to run the ball, especially with those first three games with Ryan Fitzpatrick in there they don't want to put too much on Ryan Fitzpatrick's shoulders. They want to be able to run the game, run the ball. Um, that's going to be their primary offense, and if they can do it, I think they can be successful. If they can't, uh, it could be a dicey situation.
0: Let's go to the defensive side of the football. I think the, the big takeaway I had was Vernon Hargraves uh, looks like he's going to be out, maybe not for the regular season, but missed the bulk of the preseason, and that's a guy who really can't afford to do that.
2: Yeah, he needs the work. You know, I'm still convinced that Vernon Hargraves is going to be a fine NFL player. Um, I think he came into the league, and I've said this before. I think he came into the league thinking, hey, I got this. I, I was, you know, I was as good a player as there was in college. And he was. He was arguably the best cornerback coming out of college that year in that draft class. Um, I think he thought he could roll into the NFL and things would go, con- continue to go as they did for him in, in college. Um, but he found out differently, find out that he's got to work at it. And we've talked about it, Mike, uh, here on the podcast and on pewterpirates.com. We've talked about how Vernon Hargraves has a different approach to the season this year, j- just a different work ethic. And I think that's good, but he needs the work, and he's not going to get the work now. So his training camp, unfortunately for him, could come you know, in the, first, in the, in, in the days leading up to the regular season, and his real trial by fire is going to be when the games matter, and that could be tough because um, this is the time when you test things out, uh, make adjustments, and he's in an adjustment period right now. He's adjusting from thinking I could just throw my old game out there and it's going to work to knowing that I've got to try some new stuff here. I've got to be a little bit more aggressive. And, and that's, that's tough stuff to deal with as a cornerback. Those are very difficult things to um, incorporate into your game when you don't have practice and preseason games to, to test it out. So that's a, that's a big deal.
0: One guy who didn't play in the first preseason game, we haven't seen him at practice until this weekend, is, of course, the veteran Brent Grimes. I had a chance to catch up with him after practice. Boy, he's so veteran savvy when you talk to him. Doesn't get too high or too low. And with all the defensive acquisitions this offseason, I know a lot of people are excited this defense can be a lot better. I asked Brent Grimes about that. I know it's early in the preseason, but do you see a difference in this defense already?
1: Um, I mean, I don't, too really, early to say that? I don't really get big on any of this. It doesn't really, <laughs> I mean, it matters. It's, right. it's good work we're putting in, but we're going against each other. And right. you really don't know until the real season starts. But do I feel good with the way the team is practicing? We're competing really well. Offense is competing. They're making plays. We're making plays. It's good to watch. There's a lot of competitive guys on the field at once, and everybody's trying to get better. And that's, that's all you want in training camp and the preseason.
0: Boy, spoken like a true veteran. Everybody's yeah. all excited about <laughs> JPP and Vinny Curry and Bo Allen, and for maybe good reason. Right, but but uh, he may be the voice of reason inside the locker room.
2: I yeah, guess. really. I mean, you just said it. Yeah, spoken like a true veteran. It's like, like again, we talked about the overreaction. Let's not get too excited about what we see in training camp workouts, and let's not get too excited about what we see in preseason mm-hmm. games either. Uh, yeah, the Bucks played well. I want you want to see him win. You want to see him do well, but remember that, uh, you know, nobody's showing their hands here, really. Everybody's kind of just going out there, throwing basic concepts uh, out to, to make sure everybody gets their work in. So uh, I, I think it was very well-spoken. Uh, good commentary from uh, Vernon Hargraves there, for sure.
0: And, you know, Grimes, when he talks about not only the defense, he talks about the new additions. Uh, he told me that, you know, he tries to help Vernon Hargraves when Hargraves struggles, and he acquired – two young bucks in the draft and Carlton Davis and M.J. Stewart in the second round. I had a chance to talk to Grimes and ask him his first impression so far of the young bucks, the second round defensive backs. When they draft two cornerbacks in the second round, uh, obviously that doesn't affect your job, but what have been your impressions of Carlton uh, Davis and M.J. Stewart so far?
1: I've been impressed. They are, they're picking up the scheme really, really well. They're making plays and in, in practice, they're they're not making what you want to look for in, in, with uh, young guys. It's just mental errors and things like that. And they're, they're you know doing really well on top of you know they can obviously play. They are drafting in NFL and they're doing a good job.
0: Greg Grimes breaking it down. Uh, boy, he could be a great mentor to Carlton Davis and MJ Stewart. Let's go to uh, you know good to have Grimes back, Roy. But let's talk about the offensive side of the ball. <clears throat> Excuse me, Chris Godwin, the wide receiver has had such a great camp, such a great offseason. I caught up with him after practice, too. And he's very honest and very humble. And I asked him about his comfort level now. Talk about the difference for you now compared to a year ago. Uh,
1: honestly, I would say it's a night and day difference, man. Uh, last year, you know, like I, I had a big expectation for myself. But at the same time, you know, I, I didn't know what to expect um, as far as, like, coming in, like, how practice was going to be, just how the season was going to be. Going through it like a year now, you know, I feel a lot more comfortable. You know, I have my own little routine. You know, I know what the coach expected me. I know my own expectations for myself. So I feel so much more comfortable this year.
0: Boy, just another weapon for this offense, and he had another good preseason game.
2: Uh, he he looks a lot more comfortable. I mean, we've talked about it before, about how he's looked in the training camp workouts. Uh, obviously, you know, day in and day out, he's, he's showing you flashes. And i uh, been one of those guys, that it's impossible not to notice. Uh, which is what you want to do in training camp, young or old player. You want to be one of those kind of guys. And then he goes out in the game and has, you know, very similar uh, uh, outcome. So um, he's – look, Dirk Cutter's talking about him as possibly stepping in as a number two behind Mike Evans here. That's Dirk Cutter talking. That's not you and I talking. And, you know, I think – that's unlike Dirk Cutter. It is because he's not – he's not going to be very effusive like that. I mean, he's not a guy who who throws a lot of that kind of stuff out there. So – uh, I think it was, uh, you know, really interesting for him to say that because, you know, he's seeing the great stuff that we're seeing as well and uh, realizing that, hey, they've got a player on their hands here who could become something really special in a hurry. And, you know, look, I think a lot of people thought when the Bucks picked uh, picked up Chris Godwin in the draft last year that they'd stolen a player uh, in the middle rounds. It could have gone a lot earlier. And he's starting to prove that right now.
0: And we saw in the second half of the year how integral he was to this offense and to Jameis Winston's success down the stretch. I also asked Godwin you know, about who has helped him because it seems like he's just had this rapid rise ever since he's been drafted. And he gave me a couple big names that uh, might pique your attention here. But Everybody kind of has an idol, somebody they pattern their game after. It seems like your play has really evolved. Since you've been a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, who do you pattern your game after? Is there anybody you look up to, maybe who was in the league before you, or maybe currently? Um, I wouldn't say that I
1: pattern it after one like one guy, um, but obviously, you know, just watching watching football like growing up my whole life, you know, there were guys that I, I like to watch. You know, I, I had the honor to work with uh, with Calvin Johnson coming into my rookie year. You know, I learned a lot from him. Uh, I got, Training, you train with him I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I got the chance to work with Randy Moss uh, this offseason. Um so like like those are like two. You know, really successful guys that I got to, you know, learn from and kind of pick their brain a little bit. And then you just, just looking around the league, you know, whether, I, whether it's guys like Mike and D-Jack and help you know, within our team or, you know, guys like like Julio, you know, like Keenan Allen, stuff like that. I try to just do my best to pick, you know, small things from everybody's game and try to mold it to my own.
0: You know, you can have a good receiver, Roy Cummings, or you can have a knucklehead like Antonio Callaway in Cleveland, a guy who has all the talent in the world but doesn't handle himself off the field. Chris Godwin seems like the whole package. He's a talented guy. Boy, he's he's put on. He's a big receiver too, and he's the kind of guy you listen there that will listen not only to the guys on his team, the veterans, but will take advice outside the building on guys who've had a lot of success.
2: Yeah, uh, he's a very versatile kid. Um, You know, good off the field, good on the field, smart kid. I mean, really focused. And as you said, you know, he's he's put on some weight and he's growing into his body. And I'm not sure the Bucks are quite sure just yet how he's going to work out for them you know but I mean he can play anywhere he can play x y z I mean he can play any of those spots out there and uh, that's important have that versatility because you know if Mike Evans were to go down I don't think they'd have any problem at all sl- slotting him into his spot if, I think if Adam Humphreys went down they'd say hey, all right you're going to go in the slot so you know so I I think there's a lot that he can do uh, they're just scratching the surface with this guy his versatility is one of his real strengths and um, he's got loads of talent
0: do you think this offense is going to be better this year finding these guys because how can it not? it's got to be how I mean they, they have so many weapons though it's how can it not
2: because look sometimes you know you have to learn from mistakes and, and and there were a lot of mistakes made last year Jameis Winston made a bunch he's still one of those guys who's a little bit reckless but he's got to learn that, look You've got so many weapons around you. It's not just Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Deshaun Jackson. It's You know, it's it's O.J. Howard and Cameron Brayton. Alan Cross, for gosh sakes. I mean, the way he played in the, the game. The X factor. Yeah, the X factor. <laughs> and you've got running backs behind. You've got so – just sure. be smart. Hold on. As long as the ball is in the Bucs' hands on offense, something good should happen. That's the way it should be. Something good should happen every time they have the ball in their hands because they have so much weaponry on this offense, there's just no doubt in my mind, this could easily be one of the most explosive offenses in the NFL. As long as they just focus and, number one, hold on to the ball, focus and do your job. That's all that's got to happen. The plays are going to be there. They're going to work for them if they just run them properly.
0: What did you think of the whole dynamic with Todd Munkin calling the plays? And then Dirk Cutter says he may – or he will call the plays when the regular season rolls around. You know, it's so early in the preseason to know what is right at this point. But what do you think of that whole dynamic?
2: Well, I was interested. I, I found it interesting because, I mean, obviously it's something Dirk Cutter's talked about. And Dirk Cutter's trying to manage a lot of different things as a head coach. And calling plays is one of the things he, let's face it, there's a reason Dirk Cutter has had four top 10 offenses in his 10 years in the NFL, or now 11 years, but uh, he's, 10 of those years where he's an offensive coordinator. The reason, he knows how to call plays. He yeah, does. Anybody right. who thinks he doesn't, doesn't understand what they're talking about. It's hard I'll to let that, that right. go, too. And Yes, it's hard to let it go. It's what got him here. Right. Is he, he has an ability to design an offense and then run it. And that's his strength. His strength may not be being a head coach, but he's the head coach now. But So I'm glad that he experimented with it. It's kind of like what I talked about with Vernon Hargraves. Now's the time to experiment with that. He's still not at the point yet where he wants Todd Munkin to take over, but He needs to get he needs to get a feel for what Todd Munkin would do in a game. And if it's working very well, who knows? Plans can change. You know, right now, plan A is for Dirk Cutter to call the plays. Come opening day, that plan may go down, go down the tubes and they may say, you know what, Todd, you're doing such a good job calling the plays. It's working so well. Why would we change it now? Let's go with what we've got and stick to it and see how it works. So let's see how it happens. I'm I'm, I'm very intrigued by it. I think it's it's not a bad idea to try it. That's for sure. And uh, let's see what uh, you know what comes up.
0: I think we've been very steady. You know, a lot of people overreact, a lot of fans overreact, uh, media. It's easy to do that because the NFL. Everybody anticipates it. They can't wait for it to return. Right. But you know, I think bringing in Brent Grimes kind of getting the perspective from a defensive veteran. You've given some very uh, even takes. But now we have fun. Now we have three and outs. Oh, okay. And you yeah, haven't yeah, seen the, these questions, I have, have not, you? Uh,
2: no, they've been on a you know what in a bottle on Funkin' Wagnalls porch <laughs> for uh, whatever. I gotta learn whatever that thing was.
0: You know, you, you, that's a Johnny Carson reference. Well, was, you did Funkin' Wagnalls. You've done Eddie Haskell. I actually heard Dan Patrick do Eddie Haskell the other day. I wanted to text you. <laughs> Roy's not alone with the Eddie Haskell uh, references. I love it.
2: <laughs> but does anybody know what we're talking about? I mean, does that pop culture reference carry over to you know?
0: Like you're, if you're 16 years old, text us tweet us whatever tell I don't understand what you're talking about. I'll give you the perfect parallel. My name is Mike Neighbors and it's spelled N A B O R S. People call me Jim all the time. <laughs> unless unless they're younger than 35. Well, yeah. that's kind of the the barometer there yeah. a little bit. Jim so. Neighbors. They, they don't yeah. know
2: Gomer Pyle. Right. But and before that he was on the Andy Griffith show. Right. Sings at the Andy 500. See, you know, you know, what the, you know what we're we're making references to the the golden age of right. television. Yes. When sitcoms were actually funny, pre-reality right? TV okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, nonsense, it, yeah, exactly. pre-Kardashian,
0: pre-Survivor, really, uh, right. pre-reality. But yeah. all right, well here. time
2: you want to talk about The Bachelor,
0: you know. Oh, you're well, on it, huh? You're, are you on the I'm, Bachelor? I'm not. Well, you you watch that I keep stuff? getting. Is okay. the wife ringing yeah, into
2: that? Well, No, no, we're in it together. Oh yeah. my! God. it's a great show. Oh, we see. Oh my
0: goodness! I'm like, learning like, all kinds of things about Roy Cohn today. everybody
2: says you watch The Bachelor. Of course I watch it. I thought you were kidding me. Well, okay. Listen this. When it's a bachelor. It's a guy and then 25 really right. good looking women. Right. right okay. Right. So th- there's a problem there. And, and no, number two, I? Who, who doesn't like a love story?
0: Oh, is that where you See? spin it? Okay. Okay. All right. Who I, doesn't like a love story? I just like true love. That's what I'm going after.
2: Well, that's what they're, know, for, man. Man, that's what they're looking for. I'm a romantic, Roy okay. Collins. That's
0: what they're looking for. Okay. So I'm trying to get points. You know, I'm a romantic. I hear you. Okay. All right. All right, three and out segment. Here's number one.
2: We, we had a di- divergence there. Yeah.
0: We? we Well, you know, when we, we talk about this, we send the podcast out. We'll say we touched them all. We're the only podcast in America to say Eddie Haskell, Jim Neighbors, think, and The Bachelor.
2: I think we should have a Bachelor reference in our podcast. Really? Yeah, we should probably have a Bachelor segment. Wow.
0: You know, Jesse Palmer, a Florida quarterback who was in The Bachelor. The proposal. I, I I used to cover him quite a bit, and I think he's still shaking that moniker. Even though he's had a lot of success, but he'll always kind of be in his Wikipedia yeah, page. Yeah. He'll always kind of be the Bachelor. Yeah, you,
2: yes, he will. You know, I think he's proud of it. But that's he not that's be. not a bad part of the resume. It? You, you know, believe it or not, there. I think ESPN has Bachelor now. they have Bachelor Fantasy leagues. Right, they do because most people that like
0: <laughs> we're going off the rails right now
2: like the Bachelor. It's it's
0: big. You know, I feel like I know you. I've know you really well. But you continue to surprise me, which is a good quality in a person. It's I, good, this yeah. is why we do these podcasts. I'm going to learn something very interesting about Roy Cummings every week. Bachelor segment. Bachelor segment. We're definitely going to bring that back. All right. Well, here's the three and out. Uh, it's kind of the overreaction portion of training camp. But what's the biggest reason to me or to you why the Bucks didn't have a good year last year? Was this one of the one of these three reasons? I think. Do you point to? Them? Was it the hard knocks? You know, they're not going to ever point to that. And the dirt cutter last year said, we're not going to ever make that excuse. He went out of his way to compliment the crew and how they you know, knew their boundaries and all that. Then you had the hurricane to begin the year, and then you messes up the opener. You don't have, really have a true bye week last year. And then there's the, you know, the talk that it was a so-called soft camp last year, too. It wasn't a tough camp. What one of those three, or if any, do you point to at all? Out of those three, I will take the
2: Hurricane, and here's why. The Hurricane derailed this team. This team came out of training camp ready to go. They were ready to fire, I and mean, they really were. They got completely derailed. First game of the season, going to come a week later, which then forced Doug Martin, who was by far, and I was out here every day, folks, by far the best running back in camp. Yeah, He looked like he did during his Pro Bowl years. Right. And then he had to sit for a month. An extra week because of the hurricane. Because you've seen him play well. Right. It's not like he never yes. had a good regular season. Exactly. Yeah. When he came back, he had nothing left. And guess what? When the Bucks finally hit the road in week two, they they weren't the same team either. Then the injuries hit, and they missed a field goal against the Patriots, and I think everything just kind of, you know, got lumped together. And it, it just a lot of things went sour for this team. And they weren't able to recover. They were too young and I think a little overconfident that they could kind of just throw their helmets out there and be successful. And when they were hit with adversity, I don't think they knew how to handle it. So I'm going to take the hurricane because that was the first little slice of adversity that they had to deal with, and they didn't handle it well, and they didn't bounce back from it, and it was a whole season of failing to bounce back.
0: The Winston injury was obviously a part. They did win their opener despite that. Yeah. But, the, but yeah. you know what? The lingering effect of that, not having a bye week, that's right. something that hits you later, and I think that's a good point. Yeah. You know, Hard Knocks is really the only reality show I like, Mr. Bachelor, I'm going to start calling you Mr. Okay. Bachelor. I did like American Idol when Simon was in there, though. I'm he...
2: still American Idol guy.
0: Oh, still American still. I... Yeah, yeah, So you're a reality guy. You don't watch Kardashians, yeah. though, do you? No, I can't okay. do the Kardashians. Okay,
2: too no, It's too, too much, too much right. dysfunction.
0: You know, I covered, I still cover the New Orleans Saints quite a bit. And I covered Reggie Bush when he was dating Kim Kardashian. And uh, uh, she really ruined an interview for me one time because she, Reggie had to take her to the airport. I was going to get this exclusive Reggie Bush, Chris Paul together. Uh, But uh, that's my one. That's another reason I don't like the Kardashians. Just just some some insight right there. Yeah, there you go. All right. Speaking of hard knocks, we're going to kind of take hard knocks. Uh, That's kind of our theme with this three and out. The Browns. Did you see the first hard knocks? And I did not. Oh, my gosh. I I I, heard about it. I can't get enough of that show. I mean, when it's over, I almost, when I DVR it, I kind of stop it. Oh, there's only 30 minutes left. I wish there were two hours left. I I just love it so much. I agree with that. I I, I can't get enough. All right, the Browns, I think, are going to be good. I mean, Jarvis Landry, the speech he gave to a lot of fire under his teammates was outstanding. Baker Mayfield, boy, I can't get enough of that guy. He's made for the show. But if you could pick your team to hard knocks, Go into their camp and showcase it on HBO. Here are my three choices for you. Okay, To me, the Patriots are always fun. Yeah, If you brought the cameras in there, boy, it would just be the biggest nightmare for Bill Belichick. How about the Rams? With all the personalities there, you covered to Tlaib, and yeah. Yeah, I covered Brandon Cooks. You got a lot of guys yeah. who are very outspoken. Then the Jaguars, to me, are kind of interesting. They got a lot of feisty guys on defense. You got the whole Tom Coughlin. He would hate it. Yeah, he, he would was. hate it. He you got the Bortles dynamic. That's a young, up-and-coming team. So if it wasn't the Browns, who would you take in our three and L segment? Rams, Patriots, or Jaguars? I'll take the Patriots. They're the best team of our era. No, I'm
2: not sure another sport. I mean, it's a dynasty. Uh, they're up there with the you know the, the Yankees and the, and the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. I mean, they're they're a great dynasty. Maybe I guess. Golden Let me tell you State this Warriors. real quick.
0: The Hall of Fame last week. Yeah. When. Randy Moss was out there singling out Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick. No need to boo him. Yeah, exactly. But what right. are you booing him for? I agree for? with that. Even though Bill Belichick could be a, a crusty old guy, but, that, but
2: you know what? That's what I want to see. That's why they I boo the see, Yankees, right? I want to see the real Bill Belichick behind the scenes. I want to see. I want to. I want to peek inside that formula. They've got. There's something going on in New England that's not going on anywhere else. Yep. I mean, look, it's not the quarterback and the coach. I'm sorry. It's not. Other teams have good coaches. Other teams have good quarterbacks. It's the Green Bay. Come together, and they don't win this consistently. Right. Something special goes on inside that building, uh, inside that organization, and I would like to see a peek inside. Uh, I don't think we'll ever get it, but um, I'd like to see what it is.
0: All right. Our last three and out, we keep it the Hard Knocks theme. I'm sorry, folks. I just love Hard Knocks. I, I wish they had it during the regular season. I wish I they had to say
2: the Bachelor. I was
0: not going to say The you Bachelor. Know. I, You know, there's, there's a lot of ways I could go, but I won't go there.
2: Okay.
0: I wish they had Hard Knocks in OTAs. I wish they had Hard Knocks minicamp. All right, your best guy in Hard Knocks, your best character that ever came out of Hard Knocks in their history, I have some choices for you. Rex Ryan, boy, he was outstanding. <laughs> yeah. Chad Ochocinco was great, especially, yeah. you know, he got cut and they yep. showed it. Uh, you have Raleigh Bulla, and I'm going to throw Baker Mayfield in there because he's off to a strong start, and I think he's only going to get better.
2: I think Rex Ryan was probably the, the most interesting because, again, we got a different look at – well, I thought we – di- yeah, a different look at a different kind of cat, yeah. that's for yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, learned a lot about Rex Ryan, yeah. a lot of stuff we probably didn't want to learn. glad it was on
0: HBO, yeah, language-wise. Yeah, had to be on HBO
2: yeah. – um, but, you know, we got to peek inside who he really is. Yeah. I mean, Riley Bullitt last year was was fun. Chad Ochoacinco, eh, he's always been, you know, a bit of a, you know, he's played to the cameras a little bit. Yeah. So um, I, there might have been a little bit of reality TV with him, you know, a little bit fake, but all that stuff. But I, I would take Rex Ryan. I thought he was the, the most intriguing. Um, it was fun last year to see Riley Bullitt become kind of a, a fan favorite yeah. through it. Uh, he was a darn good story and a pretty good football player as well and having another good camp so uh but i'll take rex ryan
0: i've always wanted to cover a team coached by a guy like rex ryan i've always covered teams i I cover the jaguars with coughlin yeah you know tony dungy was great but you know tony was serious yeah uh john gruden was maybe the closest thing you have to rex ryan he was a bit of a wild card you never really knew what you were going to get with john but you know he could be he could be uptight too yeah rex ryan doesn't get that uptight i would just think rex ryan would be from our standpoint a fun guy to cover
2: yeah yeah, you know? I agree. Um, yeah, from a media standpoint, you want a guy who can be serious when he has to be and have some fun when, when, when you allow You know, one of the things I think about NFL coaches, you know, we talked about this today, Mike, you and I, I don't think enough NFL coaches enjoy the moment enough. No. They're all so worked up and, and so stressed out. It's like, man, it's football. You're supposed to be having fun with this. I'll
0: give you the perfect example. I've covered Sean Payton 13 years in New Orleans. Two of his best friends are Jimmy Buffett and Kenny Chesney. If you didn't, if you watched the Sean Payton press conference, you would guess his two best friends are uh, maybe a, a guy who sells uh, stocks on Wall Street <laughs> and maybe a librarian. I mean, the guy is serious, yeah. and he, he never really cuts loose. But I, you know, there's that side to him, yeah. and there's that side to a lot of NFL head coaches. You
2: wish you saw it more. But there's also, but you know what? The side we see from most NFL head coaches, we get the idea that these guys literally, and I mean literally, are twenty four seven football. That when they're not out on the practice field. Not in the locker room. They're hunkered down in some bunker somewhere yep. watching tape. Right, and you know what? A lot of them are like that. And it's sad. It really is sad because, at the end of the day, guys, it's a game. Yeah. You know, we, we had a lot of fun on this podcast. We try to have fun with the Peter Pirates. I think. You know why? Because it's fun. It's a right. game. It, this is not. I understand it's their livelihoods, but it's a game.
0: And I'll give Dirk Cutter credit because I think he's a good balance of it. You know, he knows he'll he'll get terse with the reporter. He knows when to be serious, but he'll have some fun too. He's a good combination. You don't see that combination in a lot of head coaches. I I think if he could win a little bit more regularly, we'll see more of
2: that side, that fun side to him. Because we used to see it on a regular basis when he was an offensive coordinator. It's why when he became coach, everybody in the media was so excited. It's like, great, because this guy, you know, he'll tell you anything. He's honest about players when they're not playing well. You know, a lot of guys just give you coach speak. He wasn't coach speak. Um, but, you know, we've seen him, you know, kind of rein it in a little bit since he's become the head coach. And I think a lot of it is because, you know, he's under pressure to win. And I understand there's pressure to win. But still, if you can't enjoy this, right. then why are you doing it? Right. If, if you're not enjoying it, get out.
0: Exactly. Well, that was maybe our best podcast. It was certainly our most well-rounded podcast. I got to check in with our voice of reason producer, Justin Thomas. A, how do you rate the podcast, my friend? And B, do you watch The Bachelorette or Bachelor with Your Wife? A, I thought it was really good, but
2: uh, B, I do not watch it. Uh, I'm actually you shocked know, to hear that. I thought Roy I would peg
0: Justin more of a bachelor guy than Roy. Frankly. Really, what makes know. you say that? I don't know. I just just knowing you, I thought you know, you, your wife may like it. I, you know, Roy's wife obviously likes it, but Roy Roy continues to surprise me, Justin.
2: You know, there's a former Buccaneers quarterback who was the winner on The Bachelorette couple seasons back he was the 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 bachelor out of 26 bachelors who won at the end jojo was the bachelorette and jordan rogers does anybody remember the brief moment that jordan rogers spent as the buccaneers quarterback brother to aaron Rodgers, former buccaneers quarterback that's probably why aaron that's probably why aaron
0: that's probably why aaron disowns him now that's part of the reason disowned him long before that uh, and you learned that by watching The Bachelor, yes.
2: folks.
0: So, they have it. All right, Justin, what's your hot take before we go here? Well, I did find it interesting. Another crossover between uh, Bachelor and football
2: a uh, couple weeks ago. As you all know, the Saints haven't figured out who is going to be uh, doing the kick returns. And when uh, Sean Payton was asked about that, he also made a reference to The Bachelor in terms of oh, everyone's getting a rose and uh, slowly throughout, uh, I guess, preseason, we're going to determine who's going to be the last one picked. So you're not alone, Roy.
0: <laughs> well, you know what? From above, they are agreeing with me. It's pouring down rain. They want us to stop talking about the bachelor right now. <laughs> at the field. I'd like to thank my partner and in Bucks insider Roy Cummings. I'd like to thank our voice of reason and producer, Justin Thomas. And I'd like to thank our sponsors, House of Brews and Sea Dog Brewing Company. Uh, we couldn't do this without all of you guys and all of our sponsors. We appreciate you. That's another rendition of a few extra bucks. Boy, it was a few extra bucks. I tell you what. Check out our, our, our PeterPirates.com website, everybody. We have all kinds of new stuff on there. We have a Got a Minute segment, Getting to Know the Buck Players. We have a Rookie Diary with MJ Stewart. We also have a new feature called Extra Slice, where Roy and I will break down practices every once in a while too, along with our podcast. So a lot to check out on com. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your family and subscribe, it's free. But until next time, I'm Mike Neighbors. Uh, We appreciate you logging on.